This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. All righty. Welcome back, everyone. As you can see, we are back in the studio, mainly out of our our secondary studio, which I'm sure Adam is very thankful of. Uh, But yeah, you're here with Asset Builder, the Keep It Simple podcast. We got me, Joey Bodinger, and our other, as Adam likes to say, fearless leader, uh, (laughs) Adam Morris over here. And then behind the camera, um, our amazing producer, Renee Bingman. Uh, So yeah, we're... We're going to be uh, talking about uh, our second uh, part of the Four Pillars podcast. Yep. It's a two-part series, series nonetheless. Uh, yeah, over the book, The Four Pillars. Um, just something that we really love uh, talking about. It talks a lot about just the fundamentals of investing and just the way to approach it. So yep. we're excited to talk about it. Uh, but first, uh, that's the main topic for today, and we'll get there. But first, we're going to do a little bit of a change-up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're just going to start out with some segments that we've kind of uh, workshopped a little bit. Uh, and so the first one is just an update in general, just trying to stay relevant. Like, what are we hearing from clients right now? Uh, so I just kind of pose that question to you, Adam. Like, what are what is something or um, some popular questions you're getting from clients right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, you know, there's the obvious stuff like the, the you always are going to get topical questions. You're always mm-hmm. going to get a certain subset of people that want to know about, you know, what is the Israel, mm-hmm. you know, Hamas thing? How's that going to shake out in markets? That was big last year with, you know, Russia, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more so, though, like right now we're entering into like tax loss harvesting season. Oh, so yeah. we're really starting to get a lot of focus. I know that's what we're working on internally. Um but that's what people are starting to think about, starting to starting to think toward is their their taxes for this mm-hmm. year and really starting to kind of get things lined up. So yeah. that's what will take up a lot of our time and energy over the next, I'd say months. probably a month or two. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be getting all those those tax items in order. And, and you know, it's, it's one of the big things we do. I mean, it's a big value add. I know it's important to clients, but it can be, I know Renee behind the camera here, she'll speak to this, but it can be a grind just because it's very tedious and very, yeah. you know, one of the things with taxes is it's different for everybody. Like mm-hmm. we were literally talking about this this morning um, in our team meeting was what's our, how can we make this process smoother, faster, easier? Like what yeah. are some defaults we can have in terms of how we set up the software and and even our, our internal processes. But the problem is anything that you put in place, you're going to be leaving out some group of clients. Like mm-hmm. in other words, it's like, okay, well, if it's, you know, do we do we not harvest losses below five thousand or ten thousand, fifty thousand? Mm-hmm. Like, because you know you have a lot of people that are sitting on a couple hundred dollars in losses. Like, well, yeah. we probably need to harvest those. It's not going to move the needle. But there could yeah. be one. Yeah, there could be one client <laughs> who is four hundred dollars above a tax bracket. Yeah, and if we can harvest those losses or whatever the case may be, or you know, yeah. their their modified adjusted gross income is just over that that yeah. Medicare line, and they you know, so it really is one of those things where there isn't any way to do it but to do it. You yeah. just got to put in the work, you know, grind your yeah. way through and and talk to your clients. So that's what we're going to be doing. Sweet. So yeah, it's tax season, everyone. Trying to get that. Yeah, trying to get that mindset ready. What about you? <laughs> Um, 
Actually, a lot of uh, really the one thing I think a lot of people are settled unsettled with what's happening over in the Middle East, and, and reasonably so. It's it's mm -hmm. awful what's going on, um, but it also is pointing to, and this is just me as an advisor and being young in my career and learning is like the markets are unpredictable, man. Mm -hmm. Because there there is an impending ground invasion, and everyone is like freaking out for good again, good reason. This is it'd be a, a big deal if that happens, uh, but the markets have been up. Earnings are strong, Joey. Yeah, and it's just like, it's like what? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. I mean, last time something like this happened, which I don't know when that exactly was, but I mean, the market tanked. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what? Why Why is this happening, right? And so, mm -hmm. again, goes to show that there are more, um, there, there's more than one ingredient in this recipe that goes into that share price uh, or into right. the market or into considerations when everyone's evaluating things. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it was, I was like waiting Monday morning because it happened on the 7th, right? Or over the weekend, Two weeks ago? Yeah. Well, a week ago Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, no, Monday's going to be bad. Like, this is not going to be pretty. And then yeah. the markets were up for three consecutive days. That's right. And yeah, then I don't, and I think it ended up, yeah. And so then today, right, is it was up again. And I was like, I don't get this. Right. It's certainly <laughs> it's, a negative yeah. wave. But that's the thing is we don't know if there's going to be a positive wave that's even larger right, yeah. to offset that yeah. and get priced in. So it is just a really good example. And did you, before you started doing this for a living, mm -hmm. did you watch markets like daily? Mm -mm. Right. Not not all the time. Uh, no, not not yeah. too often. But every now and then, I, I would definitely check it. I didn't just, either. Yeah. I didn't either. And it is kind of one of those things you learn very quickly. Like even if you just kind of for fun, yeah. Like, before you come in, just be like ah, I bet it's going to be an update based on this yeah. or the other. You learn really quickly. Like yeah. not even a month. Like a couple weeks in, you're like, oh okay, yeah. This is what markets are like. It's 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 a coin toss. Yep. And and it's a good lesson. I think anybody should should give it a shot if you yeah. want to. Just try to guess and then see what the day comes out to and it'll it'll get you off that path really quick. Yeah. And and do it over the course of 30 days cuz I, I guarantee if you got like let's say you got 10 days right, you'd be like, "Oh, I know, understand the markets." Yeah. Go another 10 days, yeah, I bet exactly. you're going to be 50/50. Exactly. So like you're going to get the next 10 wrong. So Exactly. Um well, awesome. Uh next next little segment is just recommendations and this could be anything. And yeah. I mean, this is outside the world of investments. Yep. What do you recommend right now? Any, any recommendations you have for right. people listening? I do. Um, I'll preface this with, this is, it, it's kind of on topic with what we, we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, it's broader for sure, but I watched an interview he gave last night. So it was top of mind. So I thought I'd share it. I love this guy. There's a guy by the name <laughs> of Peter Zahan. I've, I may have mentioned him before. I, I can't remember. Um, you spell that Z-E-I-H-A-N. So go on YouTube, just search him. He's got a really good channel. Um, he is a geopolitical strategist. Mm -hmm. And he does a really good job. He takes a, like, the the macro of the, like, the macroiest view you can take of mm -hmm. kind of just current events, markets, economic trends, population trends from all across the world. So when stuff mm -hmm. pops off like it did in Israel a couple yeah. years, a little over a week ago, he was a guy that I, I immediately went to to go, okay, what's what's really going on here? Like what are the historical trends? And he he really does focus a lot on two things. One is demographics. So mm -hmm. he's been really, I mean, for years now he's been talking about um like the the some of the decline that we're likely to see in China's economy over mm -hmm. the coming 10 
10, 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Even Western Europe has a lot of headwinds with their population. Uh, mm. they're, they have an inverted population structure, oh, yeah, whereas right. the older yeah. populations are much, much bigger than the younger populations. Yeah. And historically, those older populations, they're not producers, they're consumers. Yeah. They, they consume what the younger populations are producing. Mm. Those younger populations aren't big enough. So the economy has no choice but to retract and, and yeah. contract. Um, and then he also looks at geography a lot. So he'll give you a lot of the insight behind you know, like, for instance, the Russia-Ukraine stuff that's been going on, he gives you a lot of insight into why Russia wants that like, stuff. Well, wants you can that look land. back over, like, for, you can look back over the last 500 years of Russian history. Their military strategy has always been the same. They have, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of having, like, the quote-unquote strongman mm. type government, whether, yeah. whether it's a monarchy, whether it's, you know, what whatever they call it today mm -hmm. that they have with Putin. They have one guy that they go, you run it. Mm. And it gives you the insight into culturally and from a geographical standpoint, like why that works there, why that's the, the mm. system that typically rises to the top, because there yeah. are some benefits to it based on just how different, like for instance, yeah. little fun, fun fact, Russia, 20% of their land is, is arable. In other words, they're massive, but a ton of that's frozen and a yeah. ton of it, all that cold air coming off the tundra, yeah. it's just like unusable land. It just wipes the land oh, dry. Just, so yeah. They don't have very much growable land. So for yeah. them, it's like, well, we have this huge population, a massive amount of land, but they have these crucial pockets that all happen to be Eastern mm -hmm. that they have to maintain to be able to yeah. grow enough crops to feed their people. Yeah. So that's why that's always been a tumultuous area because Russia's going, we have to have this land. Yeah. They're also going, that's our land. Yeah. So it's just, he gets a lot of insight and for someone that does this for a living, it's it's one more layer, it's one more way to view the world that can just add color to kind of yeah. what Mark's doing. And he uploads almost every day. They're always like relatively short, under 10 minutes. Uh -huh. um, and he just gives you kind of, he'll pick a different topic and just kind of give you the bullet points. He's really good, really easy to understand. If I can understand mm -hmm. him, anybody can understand him. So um, that's that's my recommendation. Peter Zahan, pepper him into your content stream. You'll get smarter. I Sweet. You. I promise Wait. you. Awesome. Um, I've never heard that name before. Yeah. But I, I uh, saw him give a TED talk. Okay. Um, and that's how you got it. That, that's how I got to him. And then I just started following him from there. He's yeah. great. He was on Brogan like maybe a year ago. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. There's so many jokes I can make, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't make yeah, yeah. <laughs> they weren't doing shrooms yeah. or smoking anything <laughs> on that episode. Yeah. So I yeah. think he's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm contemplating over here. Like, do I want to make the jokes in this podcast <laughs> or do I not want to make the jokes? <laughs> All right. What do you, I want to know what you have for us. Dude. This is not academic whatsoever. Okay. This is, if, if you're listening this to this podcast, Adam's got the academic, get smarter. I'm just, just relax. Go it is. Recommend bonfires. Oh my gosh, dude. Bonfires, go, for sure. go enjoy you a bonfire. Yeah. That is, I, I did it over the weekend um, and yeah. it was like a perfect, it's like seven degrees, no wind, no, like uh, the stars are out kind of thing. Yep. Um, mosquitoes weren't going rampant. Yeah, yeah. The fire that we actually had made was actually radiating heat. It wasn't like a tiny fire and you're out there shivering. Right. So it was, I love it was perfect. Go, it was at the lake. Did you go s'mores? Of course I did. Okay. I'm an American. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what I mean. <laughs> no, I have yeah. kids, so I always have an excuse to yeah. just be like, yeah, we're doing s'mores. <laughs> but really, it's because I want the s'mores. Yeah. I no, fully but, support the bonfire notion. Oh. It's that time of year. Well, well, we'll wait for the next segment, but I kind of dovetail okay. with that nicely. All right. Well, then all right, the last last little segment that we got before we get into the meat and potatoes here is uh, what, are you, what are you looking forward to? Again, this can be anything here. Yeah. So I've got three things. Okay. One is cold weather season. 
Now I know it's going to get back by the time this post, it might be like 80 again where we are <laughs> in North Texas. But this yeah. last week or so, it's been like Dude, 50 it was like or 40, so in the morning. 40 degrees this morning. Yeah, like high 60s, low 70s in the day. It's been absolutely lovely. Um, I'm a I'm a sweater. I, I run hot. So I mm-hmm. love the cold. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Rangers, ALCS, Ooh. we're 2-0. Oh. Yeah. So that's exciting. I mean, you don't you get the a exact lot of date that we're recording this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that. Hopefully we'll we'll make a push and finally get our get ourselves a World Series. Yeah, by the time this uh comes out, we will be that hopefully series will in be the done. World series. Yeah, we hopefully in the World, world series. series. So this will be a, kind of a heartbreaker if you hear it, it if we're not there. Yeah. We'll anyway. circle back to it. Yeah. <laughs> and then last but certainly Renee, not least, <laughs> um, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, my wife and I are going to see I don't know if anybody knows who Nate Bargatze is. Are you going to that? We're going. We got oh, tickets. Before. We got dude. them like three months ago, but we're very excited about that. It's kind of like a, you know, Natalie's feeling good, so we're gonna we're gonna get out and see him. If oh, anybody doesn't know who that dude. is, he's a stand up comedian. I would recommend him Netflix. to anyone. He's he's family friendly. And like Amazon Prime. And Amazon some of, Prime. Yeah, some of his stuff's not on Netflix. Some of it's on Amazon Prime. Yep. Just heads up. Yep. Go, but yeah. so going to see him. Can't wait. He's hilarious. I love stand up in general. So that's oh, gonna be a fun night. He is. You're gonna have to tell me about that on yeah, Thursday. Cause, I'll update you. Oh man, I wanted to. Sydney told me about that yesterday yeah. and she can't make it because he's coming back in, on Saturday as well yeah, which is weird Worth, yeah. and the same arena yeah. and uh, can't make either day and it's just a bummer sucks so. to suck thanks dude yeah All no right. worries what am I looking forward to um, taking Adam's tickets uh, there you go <laughs> I'm looking forward to not having such a high water bill right now because mm. didn't know this when I bought a house you have to water the concrete yep. to water the foundation Yeah. it turns out when you have a hundred <laughs> 60 days of 100 degrees consecutively, yeah. um, you use a lot of water. Yeah. And that's very annoying. Got to get you the bubbler. Do you have a bubbler? Dude, it, it doesn't matter. It, okay. Like, I I tried and, yeah. um, and like, it, it, I could not keep up unless I, like, watered yeah. my lawn. If Plano's listening to yeah, this, yeah, yeah. I well, watered it the recommended amount. <laughs> winter's but, coming. Yeah. You'll get you a nice little Dude, break. Thank but God. You'll yeah. thank yourself. Your future self will thank you. Yeah, when I sell the, the house. Yeah. But... Yeah, so looking forward to that. That's nice. And then other than that, just uh, got a pretty busy weekend this week. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Playing Good. pickleball. That's what I'm looking forward to. Don't get hurt. <laughs> Don't get hurt. We need you here. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah. I'm not out there going that hard, but. That's good. All uh, right, man. Should we uh, yeah. Should we dive in here? We'll get in. To the part two of <clears throat> Four Pillars. So give us a rundown on what we're talking about, who wrote this book, what it's about, and then we'll get into it. Uh, yeah. So, um. Oh my gosh, is it Joseph Bernstein? Is that his first name? Joseph? <sighs> we did this last time too. It's something Bernstein. Something Bernstein. Look it up. Four Pillars, Bernstein. You'll find it. Uh, but Pillar 3 and 4. So Pillar 3 is over the psychology of money. Probably going to recap basically our previous uh, yeah. book series. But uh, it's a lot of the same. But a lot of the good, st- a lot of good stuff. And then um, part 4 is over the... Um, I think it's titled The Business of Investing, which mm-hmm. really goes into like brokers and advisors and what to watch out for there. Yep. Um, so yeah, we'll be going over that. And then at the end, just kind of giving a, a summary of it all, yep. uh, which is I th- what's pillar one and two, the history and the theory, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yep. so to a brief over- overview of that. So uh, for part three, uh, like I said, is the psychology of money. And I mean, perfect little snippets that come from this this book, right? The number one thing is, or a few of the, the, the main things are avoid the thundering herd, right? The conventional wisdom is usually wrong. Like trying to day trade or do anything like that, usually wrong, right? Mm-hmm. The markets tend to um, 
outsmart everyone or uh, do what everyone didn't predict, which kind of goes into what I said earlier about like, I thought the markets would tank and mm -hmm. turns out they're not. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah. And then the second one that I, I loved uh, reading about is like avoid overconfidence because when you're making, if you're, if you're trading on your own and, and trying to time the market or, or, or value your own stocks and whatnot, there's a really good chance whoever you're competing against is uh, on Wall Street or mm -hmm. somewhere else that's similar, mm -hmm. making has tons and tons of research behind them and computers behind them and people and manpower behind them uh, that are probably making a better guess than you are. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're not going to, you're most likely not going to be able to outsmart them. Yeah. Not everyone, some people can, but yeah. Um, not yeah, repeatably. Yeah, not repeatably. And so just avoid that confidence that I can always do this. I can always win. I know it's best. Yeah. Right. Because that can start to hurt you, but I'll kick it off to you. Well, I, I think this part three, I mean, the psychology of investing, it's not a mistake that anyone that has spent time studying, obviously these guys that are writing these books, I mean, you might be sitting there thinking, well, you guys are just handpicking books that kind mm -hmm. of back up your, your own philosophy and your own kind of view on markets. It's really not the case. You read anyone that has really studied markets and studied how investing works in a capital market mm -hmm. system, there is a reason that they spend so much time talking about the mental side of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, and what it all boils down to is kind of avoiding that knee-jerk initial reaction that you have when times get tough, right? Or mm -hmm. when times are good. But you have to learn how to be mindful, right? Mm -hmm. In investing in, in, in everywhere in life. But when it comes to investing, you have to understand the nature of markets. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think a lot of it is simple in a way. I, I think a lot of pitfalls come from people knowing enough to be dangerous, but not really understanding kind of that next layer mm -hmm. below the initial. So, you know, oh, well, you know, a moderate portfolio should grow, let's say five to 7% per year, right? And so that they go into it, they don't ask the next question or they don't get the answer to the next question. And maybe their portfolio is down 12% the next year and they're going, Oh my gosh, well, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that five to seven was it's not five, 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 yeah. five, five. It's just understanding the nature that, you know, he he talks in this section about don't overreact to short-term losses. Like mm -hmm. keep your expectation, keep your target on the the long-term, steady, moderate gains that come with mm -hmm. a well-diversified long portfolio. Um but you have to understand that first. You have yeah. to you have to have learned that it, it it isn't a sign that something is wrong for markets to dip, mm -hmm. right? Like that is the nature of markets. It's one of the ways markets work. Is this? I mean, they call it the market cycle for a reason, right? Yeah. Which is we've all heard the exuberance and the elation and all that stuff. It, it goes up and then it comes down and then it goes up a little bit higher than it was and then it comes back down. We're always mm -hmm. seeking that right level, mm -hmm. never having fully found it. But you have to have that that understanding that that's to be expected as part of the ride. Mm -hmm. If no one tells you there's going to be turbulence, when you hit it, there's good reason to panic. Mm -hmm. But if you're told up front, there's going to be turbulence. There's a plan for it. You can adjust for that risk, but there's going to be turbulence. It can make it easier to kind of not panic when you get to that point. And yeah. not panicking is a very good skill to have when it comes to investing. Yeah. You've got to be able to focus more on your behaviors and the goals that you're trying to reach and not just what's happening right yeah. now. And that's, I think there's like, and if you want to go out there to your, your previous, like early on in there, that point about are we handpicking books? I, I'm sure you could go out there and find a book on day trading. It's going to tell you something very different than what we're doing because what mm -hmm. we're doing is very different than day trading, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure if you, if, if you read one of those books, uh, it would tell you to 
get in and out of certain positions, looking on whatever factors. Day trading is not investing. Though. But that's what that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's trading. Russian. It's not investing. Yeah. It's it's a different. Yeah, it's a, it's a different ball game for sure. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do that, by all means. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about something different here. So that's like if if you are studying the markets, you are studying investing instead of trading, quote unquote. Yep. Um, this is what you're going to want to look at. This is what you will eventually learn, right? Right. right. If you study it long enough. So I uh, saw. A- a graph one time and it was it was a Venn diagram if anybody remembers back to elementary school what a Venn diagram is yeah one side was things that matter mm-hmm. one was things you can control and then obviously there's a little sliver there in the yeah. middle that overlaps it's like that's where your focus should be yeah the things that matter and the stuff you can control there's a yeah. whole lot of things that matter there's a whole lot of things that that are there mm-hmm. those two are are what you should be focused on because yeah. the things that you can't control all that energy is lost. Yeah. And you could be spending that energy on the things that you actually can make an impact on. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times that's what, that's where we try to direct our clients when we get concerns about, you know, geopolitical unrest and elections upcoming and government shutdowns. Like, well, first of all, let's look at the data. There's a lot of data on these things. Markets have seen very similar events like this in the past. They're very robust. But also, mm-hmm. okay, you've got two options. Either yeah. you are going to be the person that's going to be able to extrapolate exactly what impact mm-hmm. this this conflict between Israel and Hamas and and perhaps Jordan and perhaps yeah. you know, Hezbollah, all these other these factions, mm-hmm. you'll be able to connect all those dots and be able to make those changes perfectly to your portfolio to avoid those downfalls and capture the upside where it mm-hmm. exists. Or <laughs> more likely, markets are doing that every instant of every day yeah. across the collection of the wisdom of all the other tens of millions of investors that are acting in the market at mm-hmm. that time. So you really just have to build that discipline to go, I know that thing is happening. Mm-hmm. I know that it could have negative consequences. But my ability to ascertain when those consequences are going to show up, exactly where they're going to show up, and to what degree they're going to show up yeah. is minimal. And my better bet is to ride that long-term trend that we yeah. know from looking at history, markets have endured a lot of uncertainty. Lot, That's yeah. exactly why markets are there is to capture and price in that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So you just have to trust that markets work. That's really what it comes down to. It's yeah. really what it comes down it, to. It's it's hard. I want to I want to empathize with anyone that that is that is hard. And it takes yeah. time to to get that discipline. Um and one one of the reasons, I mean, even the book and as advisors, I think we recommend this if if you're not um needing to sell securities at that given day or anything like that, don't look at your portfolio every day. It's probably gonna stress you out, right? It's yep. it's like if you and you've said this before, if you looked at the price of your house every single day, you'd start to get nervous about your house, even though you're not selling it that day mm-hmm. or or even the next month or so. Mm-hmm. So just um save yourself some a stress there and, and yep. don't check your portfolio every single day if you don't need to. If you like it, if you got the discipline of understanding that markets are going to go up and down and you can comfortably check your portfolio without panicking, yeah, then fine. But like, there's a couple things you can do too. There. Like there are some, some simple steps you can take if you're, and I get it, people fall on a spectrum mm-hmm. in all kinds of ways and, and our ability to weather market anxiety there's people that are really, really good at it just naturally. And there's mm-hmm. people that are really, really bad at it because that's their disposition. If yeah. you fall on that part of the spectrum, a couple of things you can do. One is maybe you need a slightly higher cash cushion, right? Mm-hmm. Maintain a higher level of cash. Maybe that cash will buy you, instead of buying you one year, it'll buy you three years, yeah. right? Now, that's a really high bar. Yeah. But maybe that's what you need to do in order to give yourself mentally the freedom to go, hey, that stuff over there that's invested, mm-hmm. that can go up and down. 
I've got this cushion here that's protecting me. That's my rainy day. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to keep me. And you have to think through it like that. Mm -hmm. If you're a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more risk tolerant, let's say, mm -hmm. maybe that cash cushion can be a little bit lower. Um, you can obviously do a lot of things within the portfolio composition itself to account for that, right? Yeah. You can have two people that have identically, you know, uh, identical financial circumstances, mm -hmm. but their personalities are different. So their portfolios should reflect that. And a good advisor yeah. is going to do the work to figure that out. That's why mm -hmm. that's why this business is a relationship business. You have to oh, yeah. know the person yeah. in order to even be able to make that recommendation. And I haven't seen a website yet that can really empathize or can, understand. Yeah. Yes, that can read the person across the table from them and go, you know what, I can tell this person's anxious. I, I mean, can tell they're uneasy. We need to do something to account for that. Uh, it is powerful, but it's not, it, it's still having a tough time reading emotions, right? Yeah. It's having, it's, still having it's a tough time. So, I mean, they, they can yeah. ask you a survey, but I mean, we know that they've done meta researches on surveys themselves yeah. and, and survey methodologies. We know that, you know, websites that ask people, if the market went down 20%, what would you do? People want to give the answer. They It's an aspirational answer. Yeah. They, they want to believe they do the right thing, even if they wouldn't. So yeah. you really can't trust that process. And, and we'll get into some more statistics later that I researched um, in terms of just kind of how an advisor can help in that way. Mm -hmm. But in general, um, you need to be you need to be self-aware and, and a good advisor will help you with that self-awareness. Yeah. I think navigate, you know, when it does get tough. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And one one thing I um I, I forgot about this, but then remembered it. The the saying it was like stress and anxiety, not all of it, right? Some there's some good stress or some good anxiety for sure, like uh, healthy levels. Um, but sometimes like if you if you're paying attention to all these things in the news, sometimes stress and anxiety uh can be interest you're trying to pay in a debt you never owed, right? Mm -hmm. Things that you can't control. So yep. the 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 getting nervous or stressed about them or anxious about them, like I said, is it's interest on something that you can't pay, right? Yep. You, you're not supposed to pay that, uh, that debt. So, mm -hmm. um, hopefully I quoted that right. Uh, but, or hopefully that makes sense, but yeah, just you gotta be careful with control what you can control. Right. That's right. Like you just said, well, um, and your emotions are one of those mm, things. Yeah. Your emotions yeah. are one of those things. It, 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 it isn't easy, but yeah. you can train yourself to capture a thought mm -hmm and redirect it. Yeah. Right. And, and it bears mentioning, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time talking about managing those emotions in, in downward moving markets. I think that's mm -hmm. the most common type of anxiety people feel. Yeah. But there's a very real component people battle with when times are good. Mm -hmm. Now you start looking around at your other, at, at, at everybody else's paper. What are yeah. they doing? How are they? Yeah. What do they got? Oh, he told me. It is so classic. Every time I hear whether it's a client or just anybody in my life, talk about, oh, this, this buddy of mine, he's absolutely killing it in crypto right now. Like, I mean, he's made, <laughs> you know, 89% return, 250% It's like, great, that's fine. Awesome. That is a real thing that happens to people when they have a perfectly executed plan in place, on track. They're, you know, banging out 8% mm -hmm. a year, nine, whatever it is they, they're aiming for over time. And they make a change, not because their plan's broken, not because they're not on track. It's because they want what the other person has. Yeah, got it's, a little greedy. They yep. got a little greedy. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, they take, ah, I'm just going to take out, you know, 50K. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Just, okay, well, I, that's cut in half. I need another 50 just to make up what I made. There, yeah. You know, and before you know it, they've unraveled their entire approach or at least a portion of it. Yeah. All because they listen to their buddy or their mm -hmm. friend tell them how good they're doing. It's like, well, maybe they're doing good now. 
Yeah. But wait. I mean, yeah. How many it, times do your buddies come up to you and tell you, oh, dude, I lost 250%? Yeah. Like, no one says that. Dude, it's the same thing with gambling. <laughs> yeah. I had a yeah. buddy literally the other day. I had a guy. It's a guy that I kind of know, not super well, but just well enough to like say hi to each other when we come yeah. across each other. And he was telling me how he, I guess he gambles on fantasy football lineups. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know you could do this, but he like sets multiple lineups a day. I think it's legal in Texas, but somehow, yeah. Well, then I won't use his name then. But <laughs> anyway, he was showing me like the weekend prior, he was up like 180 grand for that Whoa. weekend. And it blew my mind. Like, this guy's not like a guy that you would look at and go like, oh, this is a wealthy dude throwing around that kind of yeah. money. He's just a, a guy like we all yeah. are. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I said, well, surely you're just going to cash that out and walk yeah. away, right? And he was like, no, nah, I mean, I'm going to leave it in. We'll, we'll see. I was like, well, what are you for the season? Like, if you're yeah. up that much, like, what? Are, he was like, I think I'm down like 10. <laughs> I was like, hang on a second. So you're telling me you've got 180 in winnings right now. Oh, my god! You can walk away. Be done. Yeah. Let's say you're down 10 coming into this week. Okay, great. Well, still 170K you can walk away with. You're next. Call it a day. Be done for the year. I said, dude, listen to me. And he actually, and I'm not making this up. I didn't think about this. I wasn't planning on telling the story, but he literally said, (laughs) he goes, I said, you know what you need to do? You need to set a limit in your mind that you walk away for the season. Said, I'm coming to this season. Now, I'm not a gambler myself. I hate the feeling. Oh, I I can't do it. I gambled two NFL weekends in my life during college. Yeah. Hated it. I think I probably lost like, literally probably like 70 bucks. It wasn't much because we were all broke in college. But I hated it. Never been attracted to it. You said 70 bucks in college? Yeah. Oh, you were rolling in it in college. That's everything, right? Yeah, that was was a devastating month. Yeah. Um, But yeah, sorry. Anyway, I told him, you need to have a number and just if you hit that number, it's cashed out and you put it in a fund, in yeah. an index fund and leave it for the next 20 years. Yeah. He said, you will put your kids through college. You will like, yeah. I don't think he understands what 180K compounded at six per year will do over 10 years. Because yeah. he's a young guy. I think he's like 36, 37. Yeah. And he said, uh, yeah, that's not how people get wealthy. And I said, <laughs> I literally said, buddy, that is now not the gambling part, but I said, that is exactly how people get wealthy. Yeah. They, yeah. they take chunks of cash and they put it to work and they don't look at it for 30. That is exact. I said, I do this for a living. That is how it works. Man. It's just the, there's something in there that just. But that's the difference between wealth and rich, right? Correct. Wealthy is the stuff that you don't see. Wealthy is the stuff that you don't see and uh, has in the background operating, right? And and gaining a ton of money or or, or building on interest, right? Or building on, yeah, building interest. Um, And then rich is just someone that has a high, high income and is spending it all. That's right. Right. That's right. And so, yeah, that might not be how people get rich because they can't spend it all in one day and then have it replenished the next right. day. Um, but it's but like how you said, that's how people get wealthy, right? Investing yep. and letting it grow over time. I mean, yep. but it's that same thing with investing is with, and yeah. that's why I started telling that story. Yeah, is it's, it's like this idea that he was happy to show me that I'm up 180K, but you yeah. asked the next question. Well, What's he's, the he's down. Yeah. He owes somebody $10,000 for the season. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? It's, yeah, that's just not a good. That is nuts. It, it's not a good, but you need to remember that when when you're out and about hearing other people, don't keep your eyes on your own paper. Yeah. Aim, now, if you want to aim for a higher goal, that's one thing. Yeah. Then then build a path for yourself to get to that higher goal, but yeah. you need to keep your eyes on your own paper because you cannot rely on what yeah. other people are saying because we know factually that people are only giving you part of the story. Yeah, take cues from the people that are playing the same game, not, that's not right. a different game. That's so, exactly yeah, right. That is. Man, that is that is mind-boggling. That is wild. Dude, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. I I, I hope he 
does not continue. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I hope we so shall too. see. I'll check in with him and make sure he's not homeless in the next yeah. couple weeks. Yeah. So, you know. Oh my gosh. That is, oh, that is sad. Yeah. Should we go to part well, four? Yeah, we probably P- should. Oh, sorry, pillar four. Pillar four. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is, uh, this is actually kind of, uh, in my opinion, uh, more just like straight, this is what you should do. This is what you should look out for. Easier advice, in my opinion. Okay. It's the, the business of investing. So he talks about brokers, he talks about advisors and stuff like that. I don't want to say I fully agree with Bernstein in this sense because he paints a picture that brokers are evil. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure some of them out there are not good, mm-hmm. but I'm sure some of them out there are. Uh, just be really, really careful with um, what's going on there because some make sure that they're giving you an annual uh, performance review, right? Uh, annualized return. They're giving you a picture of the entire portfolio, not just the winners. Um, and make sure that they're not, because a lot of brokers get paid off trades, right? Mm-hmm. As we know, the more you trade, usually, like I think what Jake DeKinder's favorite, one of his favorite quotes, um, or my favorite quotes from him is that investments are like soap. The more you handle it, the less you have. Mm-hmm. So be careful with that, right? Because that's how a broker makes their money. They want you to make trades. So mm-hmm. just be aware of that. Um, and that's not, again, that's not to say that all brokers are bad. Just really, you got to know what you're, you're getting yourself into when you work with one. Um, and then for advisors, right? When working with advisors, uh, I think we went over this in a podcast a while ago. There's a, quite a few good questions you can ask them. But one thing to really make sure you pay attention to is how they get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're a fiduciary, right? We, you want to have that in place because you want to know that your advisor is making the best advice for you and not necessarily just to line their pockets. So, uh, and a fiduciary by law has to do that, make mm-hmm. the best advice for them, for mm-hmm. the client. Um, and then also understand how they're paid so that you, you know if there's any baked in uh, conflict of interest or anything right. like that. So right. um, that's a few things you wanna clarify. And, and Burns even says like, find, uh, this is not <laughs> this is not a plug, but this is what he says in the book. Um, like find a low cost, uh, a fee only advisor that yeah. is a fiduciary. Yeah. That's your best bet, right? Well, because he, 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 his whole point is it's better for you to pay them yeah. than for your activity to pay them. Yeah, exactly. So if you're paying them, you know exactly how they're getting compensated. And mm-hmm. if you're the one paying them inherently in, in a way, like their interests are tied to you because yeah. you're their source of revenue. Yeah. So you're their highest concern. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's just your activity, they don't care what happens next. Yeah that's where you get in that conflict of interest. And I should say, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it helps to understand the history of of brokerages a little bit because I think brokers kind of get a bad rap and that, you know, they're they're bad. The commissions made sense where they came from because a broker, I mean, their whole job was to find someone that was selling securities and Mm -hmm. match that person to someone that wanted to buy those securities. Mm -hmm. And pre-internet, well, that was hard. I mean, what do you do? Do you just stand on the street corner and ask people, do you want to buy some stock certificates? Like how did you, so the broker's job was to cultivate, have a book of contacts, a book of a network that they knew that they could facilitate that liquidity, facilitate Mm -hmm. those interactions. And that was a big, a big service. If you wanted Mm -hmm. to offload and, and the reason commissions were a part of it was because the bigger the transaction, the smaller the number of participants at yeah. that size. So if I'm selling 10 shares of Apple, well, that's fine. A lot of people are ready to buy up 10 yeah. shares of Apple. If I'm offloading a million shares of Apple, yeah, that's hard. Like you got to break that up into 100 transactions. Yeah, or you got to find, and, exa- yeah. that's a lot of work. So the, work. The, the more the volume, the harder it was for the broker to do their part of the job. Yeah. So it kind of made sense. Obviously now, post-internet, 
this is all algorithm algorithmically mm. done, which is mm. why brokers now, or at least the broker side of like Schwab or whoever else is out there, it, it, those costs are coming down and down and down mm -hmm. because it's getting easier and easier and easier to facilitate. You don't that, have to find that it, market there. making. Like, they're yeah, all there, yeah. and it's just yes, correct. Because we're yeah. all, in, and it helps that we're all kind of in one place. Yeah, be that place being the internet. Yeah. So, it's just a a, a it's a less um, I would say difficult job, and it's a less value job based on mm -hmm. that fact. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it came from that place. I just think the commission driven world of investment advice in general is waning. Mm -hmm. Because you can't do it anymore. There's people have too much knowledge, um, and I think where this is probably more applicable today is the insurance industry. I think that's probably mm -hmm. where you see a lot of it still. Um, not to say the insurance is bad. I think insurance is great. It just needs to be used in the right context for mm -hmm. the right purpose. I think a lot of times, you know, you look at these insurance brokerages and what do they do? They bring in. 22, 23, 24 year olds. I have nothing against young people. I actually love working with young. I was, I started in this business young and I mm. think it was an asset to me. Not yeah. a, oh, yeah. Not a detractor. I think you fall in that category yes. as well. You're yeah. hungry. You're eager to learn if you find yeah. the right person. Uh, but they find these really young kids and they go plumb their personal networks and just try to sling policies regardless yeah. of whether it's the right thing. And I think yeah. that's where the fiduciary component coming in is so important. Yeah. Because it makes sure that. I don't actually want you to transact unless mm. you need to transact because yeah. your circumstances dictate it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a lot, there's all in, in any market, there's going to be anytime money changes hands, watch for that guy in the middle making money off of it. Cause mm. he's probably the guy you want to be right. Well, yeah. in this case, we're, we're looking for the people on either side of that middle and saying, don't lose all your money to that guy in the middle. Yeah. So I think that's a really key understanding. Um, and I have some stats here. I don't want to, I, I hate kind of going through, stats because it can mm -hmm. just be boring to listen to but i do think it bears mentioning and maybe i'm jumping ahead of the gun no you're good was there anything you wanted to add mm. specifically because no i mean like one, one thing that he did say that and i think this is something that we do and that i think is great is like what's something that you can get guidance on not necessarily the, the funds but and it's something that you can control right going back to the last pillar is your mm -hmm. asset allocation mm -hmm. that's one thing that an advisor should come and help you with and that's because that's kind of uh uh, dictates your risk exposure. Right. Right. So that's one thing. Right. But anyway, that's the one thing I wanted to make sure we did say, but I want yeah. to hear your stats. He's basically just talking about managing your emotions um, and managing in the context of how are you getting advice? How do you pay people in the financial mm -hmm. world? He talks about the growth of independent investment advice relative to commission-driven investment yeah. advice. And I just thought it bears mentioning um, one of the things that popped into my mind. So, Vanguard did this study um, in 2022, and it was really interesting. So they looked at, what was it called? Investor-advised portfolios. Now, this was not Vanguard only. They looked at a broad market, a lot of different institutions involved. And what they were trying to measure was, is an advisor worth it? Mm -hmm. Like, does an advisor bring value to the table? And and I'm not, I, I really, this is not a sales pitch. Like, this is not asset builder specific. This is for any advisor out there. But I think... A lot of people think it's, they think they're paying for one thing, really you're paying for something totally different. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting was, I'll cut to the chase, an advisor on average increases annualized returns by about 3% over the long term. Which is, and, and, the, and over the long term, that adds up. Per year. Yeah. Massively. And I'll give you some yeah, numbers, but what nice. was interesting was they kind of broke that down into where does that 3% come from? And they, they mm -hmm. allocate it. So one of them was a suitable asset allocation which was basically, you know, you're not a, a, a 
30 year old in 90% bonds, right? Yeah. Like, they're going to help you just the high level. You're going to be pretty well risk appropriate, uh, expense ratio management and just cost manage cost reduction mm-hmm. in general. That was worth, I think like 30 basis points. The asset allocation was worth maybe 60 basis points, mm-hmm. 200 basis points. So of the, the roughly just over 3%, two thirds of that 200 basis points came from basically the emotional management. Yeah. And it's so true. Like that's mm-hmm. what any advisor is going to help you with is the stuff we've been talking about. It's, yeah. it's yes, we're going to help you with your portfolio. We're going to make sure that it's optimized. We're going to have the right mix of junk bonds versus high grade. All that stuff yeah. is very important and there's value there. Yeah. But most of the value, because where most people fall short is not managing those emotions. Mm-hmm. And so just to put that into context, if you invested $100,000 and didn't touch it for 10 years, at 6%, that would go to 179K. Right. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. If you go to 9%, though, it's 236K. That sounds great. I mean, that's (laughs) 236 to 179. That's $57,000 of difference. Yeah. Over that period. That's, that's real money. That's significant. Yeah. That's, that's two more years of college for somebody. That's another vehicle. That's, that's a a nice vehicle. That's That's a big chunk of equity in your home you could pay off. Like that is so substantial. And so it just goes to show that. It, it what you're paying for is not, and I'm not saying it's not valuable. What you're paying for is not the ticker symbols you hold or the timing of which you buy or sell those ticker symbols. And the reason is because no one knows. Mm-hmm. No one really knows what you should be doing. Yeah. What you're paying for is for someone to come alongside you and remind you of what matters. Yeah. It's to remind you of that Venn diagram. Hey, you're focused over way over here. Mm-hmm. We're looking right in the middle where they're overlapped. Yeah. That's where we need to be looking. What you can control and exactly what matters. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think he nails it. I think from that perspective, Bernstein is right on the mark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would recommend both books that we've done, The Psychology of Money and The Four Pillars. I would recommend both without a, a second thought yep. um, for anyone for that matter. So highly recommend this book. Uh, I really want to say it's Joseph Bernstein, but we'll figure it out yeah. in, in post-production. You'll see it in the notes. We can link to uh, it in the show notes for yeah. sure. Um and I'm sure we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll t- we talk about a lot of resources on here and it doesn't mean that everything in there is something that we ratify or stand behind or put mm-hmm. our stamp on. It's certainly not, but we do want to highlight, you know, books that we think are insightful and thought provoking mm-hmm. and that generally reinforce sound investing principles. Yeah. That's, that's what we're Absolutely. here to do. Absolutely. So, um, as, as a brief, oh, quick overview, I know we're kind of coming up on time here. Yeah. Um, this book covers, like I said, the history of investing, the theory of investing, psychology, and then the, the the business of it all. And just to put it in perspective, I think uh, kind of a, a quick summary of it, right? Markets have gone back all the way back to, oh my gosh, I forgot the date that he gave. But when they were trading, um, basically, I, I think it was, Mar- uh, what, what kind of stocks in the companies? It was um, uh, some marine ships or something like that. Like mm-hmm. people going out and finding like treasure. East India trading companies. Kind like of that. like that. But even yeah. before that, like it, it goes way back. We have a lot of data, right? And it, it these things have happened. Markets up and downs have happened since the beginning of the markets, right? And then as far as the theory goes, you want to make sure that you're in the whole market with a few factors emphasized mm-hmm. um, and then control what you can with the psychology of money, right? Control uh, with the psychology pillar, control what you can, the asset allocation. Um, don't overthink it. Don't get overconfident. Don't try to time it. Just Stay in there, stick to your plan, not yep. someone else's plan. Don't take cues from someone else's plan. And then uh, as far as the, the business of investing, if you need an advisor, want an advisor, think you need someone to come along inside and help you, um, 
find a fee-only advisor yep. that's a fiduciary. Yep. Hopefully I summarized that enough. Yeah. I, I couldn't have done it better myself. I yep. wouldn't try to. Sweet. Well, uh, I think that's all we have for you today. Uh, we'll be back soon. And hopefully this won't be a heartbreaker when we figure if we if the Rangers don't make it to the World Series. Don't even say it. Yeah. Don't even say it. When we come back, we'll be we'll be toasting to their championship, hopefully. All righty. All right. We'll see you guys later. See ya. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.